This week on Burn and Bold, we discuss Central Michigan football's 48-10 win over Northern Illinois and what they're going to have to do during the bye week to prepare for the November 16th game on the road against Ball State. We also touch on the men's and women's basketball teams as both their seasons are ready to start up. Welcome back to another episode of Maroon and Bold. I'm your sports editor, Evan Petzold, along with me, Austin Chastain. We're going to bring on reporter Christian Boer as well. Austin, man, how you doing? How you feeling this week? I'm feeling really good, man. It's a it's a good weekend. I, I feel healthy. Exams are out of the way. It's it's a good week. How it's are a, you? How are it's you? It's a good week. I'm doing well. I missed the football game. Had a wedding to go to for my cousin, um, and then but you know what? It was a good wedding. Um, I know I didn't really miss much with Central Michigan. They you know they blew them out, so I didn't miss a close game or anything like that, which was good to see. But I watched um, I watched from the television um, when I could, and and then besides that, when I was sitting in the in the church at the wedding, I was just kind of scrolling through Twitter, checking out what you guys were were throwing out. But nonetheless, yeah, big win for CMU. I had a great Halloween. Um, had a lot of fun hanging out with you guys. Um, you know, oh, our, yeah. our editor in chief, Dylan Getz, he had a little party for his birthday, um, which is like a birthday party slash Halloween thing. So that was a lot of fun. We all had a good time kicking it together. But anyway, going back to what I was doing during the wedding, which was following the the game against Northern Illinois. What were your thoughts on that, man? I mean, a, a huge win, and we'll, we'll bring on Christian and introduce him here in a, in a little bit, but I just got to hear from you first, Austin. It was a huge win, 615 total yards. What does this mean for this team, man? I mean, where, where are they at, and how big of a deal was the, the victory? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is when you move the ball 615 yards, you're doing something, you're doing something right. Uh, this team, we've said it up before and we'll say it again, uh, it's a really good team at home. I mean, they're 5-0 and at this point. Um, so just for for that the for that piece was was real interesting just to see how different that they looked you know two weeks ago against Buffalo to you know this game against NIU like mm-hmm. I it looked like a completely different football team a complete overhaul in, in just in just one week yeah uh, five well five turnovers against Buffalo and and then none against Northern Illinois right and uh, I think there was maybe danger for one I think Dormady threw one pass over the middle that was bobbled. Um, and and fell harmlessly to the turf. So really, it it, it was as complete of a performance I think that as we've seen to this point so far this year from CMU. And obviously six wins uh, puts Chippewas in qualification for a bowl game, which is huge considering what they had last year. Well, I'll get to asking you where some of those you know websites have CMU projected to go um, there in a minute. But looking at Dormady, man, I mean, eighteen of twenty four. 288 yards, three touchdowns, no fumbles, no interceptions. And this was after he, you know, he turned the ball over three times against Buffalo and, and he didn't look sharp. And, you know, that was one of uh, the biggest things that we had was one of our, col- our columnist, Ben Zeitler, wrote a story about, you know, if, if Central Michigan wants to have success, it relies on the the arm and the, the, the ability to take care of the ball and the legs and kind of all those things together uh, of Quentin Dormady. You know, how is he going to be able to respond to, to help your team down the stretch? And he took a great step. Um, this past weekend, being able to to do what he was able to do, and he didn't touch 300 yards, and but but he did what he had to do. He threw, he only threw the ball, you know, 24 times, and and then really besides that, we let Kobe Lewis and Jonathan Ward take care of the the rest of the game on the ground. 17 carries for Kobe Lewis, 145 yards, and uh, and a touchdown as well. Jonathan Ward, 20 carries for 138 yards and a touchdown. Kobe Lewis had that long of of 75, where where Ward was more of a 
kind of like taking over the game and kind of going, you know, little by little. Um, he did have that one twenty nine yard run though that that was a big one. But Christian, when you look at it, and I'll bring you on here because um, I know you were at the game and and you were paying very close attention. I hope. I know I know you were. Um, but no, what did you see out of the balance from the run game and the pass game? And I guess besides the balance on the offensive end, what other things did you take away from that one? Well, you know, they started out offensively throwing the ball. They were running a lot of vertical routes early on with Khalil Pimpleton. And even Tyrone Scott got his name in the stat sheet, which is something that we were hoping for from the redshirt freshman. You know, he had that big game against Albany. And then after that, he's been kind of quiet. You know, he got back into the end zone for the first time since then, Saturday. But when you got two dudes running the ball for almost 140 yards, you know, seven yards of carry, that's a first down every two run plays. That makes Quentin Dormady's job a heck of a lot easier. Yeah, and looking at it too, you know, having a guy like Ross Bowers in there, when you can force a guy like him um, to turn the ball over, you know, three times via the way of an interception, and it's not even like he played that bad. I mean, 18 for 29, that, I, I wouldn't say that's too bad. 221 yards on 18 completions and a touchdown, like that's not awful, but you force three interceptions and you're going to set yourself up pretty nice. And then all you really got to worry about is taking care of the run game and, and Trey Herbison, who came into that game as the player to watch. Um, as arguably, you know, basically him and Jonathan Ward, I would consider them, you know, semi-equal in the conference in terms of overall running abilities. You limit him to 10 carries for 23 yards, and you put him in a hole early, so you kind of force Bowers to have to throw a little bit more in, in a situation like that. You don't want to rely too much on the run game when you're behind in a game. So Central did a really good job of of doing what they had to do on offense and allowing that to help the defense out, and I, I was really impressed by that. But we've already talked about it, bowl eligibility. Austin, where where are they projected to go? And then any additional thoughts on the game as well? I'll, I'll give you a chance to talk about that. Well, the uh, bold projections are kind of scattered. Um, there's, what is it, Mark Schlebach from ESPN is projecting the Chippewas to not make a bowl game. So is CBS Sports um, in their latest bowl projections. Jerry Palm, what are you doing, man? Come on, man. This is a good team, I think. I think they. I think it's. I think it's a team worthy enough for a bowl game, at least a bowl game. Come on now. Uh, what is it? Kyle Bonagura from ESPN has has them going to the Boca Raton Bowl against Utah State. Sports Illustrated has them going to the Boca Boca Raton Bowl as well against Central Florida. You know, there's what a couple. Uh, uh, the Sporting News has a Frisco Bowl against Temple. Twenty four seven Sports mm-hmm. has the Texas Bowl against Oklahoma State in a little grudge match almost. Uh, the Bleacher Report has them going to the Bahamas Bowl against Western Kentucky. Yahoo Sports has them going to the Camila, Camila Bowl against Georgia State, and Stadium.com has them going to the Mobile Bowl against Georgia State. You want to go down to Alabama? Brett Heck McMurphy yeah. says we're going to Alabama. That'd be fun. What, was it Lad Pebble Stadium? That would be cool. That's like that would that would be a cool place to go. I think the Frisco Bowl would be cool too. Texas Bowl, the Energy Stadium. What do you think about Bahamas? It's a pain in the butt. That's the one. That's the one bowl that I I would not like. That's Central the one Michigan that, it, that that's, that'd be one that I think it'd be really fun to go to if I was like twenty five thirty and like yep. was working for like a like a non student newspaper because now there's just like if it if it does end up being that there's gonna be some hoops and some challenges to get down there but we'll we'll probably figure it out but still that's um that's the only one that scratches my head I think Texas would be kind of cool yeah. Well, I've never been to Texas, so me neither. Let's cross. Let's you know. Let's hope to cross another one off, another state off off the list. Texas forever, right, Christian? Absolutely, Texas forever. <laughs> Texas forever. Um, no, no, a reference to Friday Night Lights, just around the football topic. But anyway, so where is this team at now? 
re- I mean, realistically speaking, and I'll let you and Christian hash that one out because, and I'll pose the question to you as well. Okay, so basically the way that it's sitting right now is you have Ball State on November 16th, and then you have Toledo wrap up the season on November 29th. Bye weeks in between. So a bye week this week, and then Ball State, and then a bye week the next week, and then Toledo, and then your season's over um, in terms of the regular season. Ball State is in an interesting situation here, and, and I guess it kind of partners as well with Western Michigan um, because they play they play this week actually on, on Tuesday. And what are the thoughts here? Because essentially, if I'm not mistaken, if Ball State beats Western Michigan, that gives Central Michigan – the chance to win out and win the Mac West. So it all comes down to the fact of can Ball State beat Western Michigan? And if that happens, then Central Michigan's going to the Mac title game as long as they can win out, which includes beating Ball State. What are your guys' thoughts there? Does it happen? Does it not? Um, and, and be real with me here. What are you thinking? I, I don't think Ball State beats Western solely because that game's in Kalamazoo on Tuesday night. I, I really don't think that – I mean, I, Ball State, obviously, it's doing something right because it's leading the leading the West Division. Uh, but at the same time, I just think Western has just a little bit too much firepower. And I think um, I, I think Western's going to go on and beat Ball State here on Tuesday night. I do think Central can go down there and beat Ball State. but And we, we can hash that out here right now and again next week. But um, – for for that for the like I said I don't think Western I don't think Western loses that game tomorrow night so the chances for Central to, to get down to Detroit looks rather slim in my head. Yeah, you know, Western Michigan's a, a darn good football team, and I think the Eastern game the change at quarterback kind of caught them caught them off guard, and I think that's one of the main reasons why they lost to Eastern. Granted, no road game in the MAC is easy, and I think we've seen that. You know, with Toledo going down to Bowling Green and losing, and Western losing at Eastern, and even you could say Central Michigan losing at Buffalo uh, last week. I think that loss to Buffalo is going to come back and hurt them simply because I think Western, you know, they're a veteran team, veteran quarterback, veteran running back. They're veteran at all the positions you need. Now, granted, no one position is more important than the other in football, but at quarterback, running back, receiver, they're basically deep and they're veteran everywhere, and I think they went out. And I think they're the team you see down at Ford Field, as hard as that is to say from a Central Michigan perspective. No, I totally agree. I mean, you know, looking at looking at what, hold on, looking at Western schedule, the rest of the way. I mean, they've got Ball State, like we said, and they go to Ohio, which that honestly could be a losable game for the Broncos. Um, and then they they cap the season on the road uh, against Northern Illinois, which. A ro- like you said, road games in the MAC are really tough. Correct. So those are those are those are two games that that you're looking at if you're Western Michigan. That if you, if you can win if you can win both those games, you're obviously in good shape. But if you you and you can lose one and you're still I think okay because you own that tiebreaker over Central and and Ball State too. But I I think you have to win both at least one of those games. You have to win one of those two road games to cap off the year to get down to Fort Field. Yeah, I I do see your point about Ohio. You know, it's that's another midweek, quote-unquote, midweek action game with ESPN. Um, Ohio, they're still playing for their lives in the MAC East as well. You know, they're tied up top with, with Miami of Ohio, and even Buffalo's gaining on them. And so 
there, there's a lot of teams still in contention here in the Mid-American Conference. Um, like you said, the Northern Illinois game is a, is a road game, and I'm pretty sure the blueprint's out on how to beat them. I think Central Michigan put on a textbook performance. You just got to put heat on the quarterback. And I think Western, although Western did have a hard time containing Central Michigan, I think that game was a lot closer than the 31-15 final. Uh, pointing out, obviously, different situation. They had David Moore at quarterback. Uh, Quentin Dormany is now the quarterback, obviously. Although he seems like he's taking a step in the right direction as well. Um, but, you know, Western did have a little bit of trouble containing the Chippewas, and I think that'll be something. Nathan Rourke, people forget about him. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the MAC as well. And I think mentioning Ohio, he's going he's gonna to give Western, I think, their biggest chance, Central's best chance of getting to the MAC, I think, is going to rest on the, the arm of Nathan Rourke. I agree. And I mean, and like you said, that Central Western game, I mean, the Broncos did have a tough time containing Central Michigan, you know mistakes towards you know towards the and towards the towards the red zones that's kind of what did did the Chippewas in for that game but no I I totally agree with you I mean if if Ohio can kind of run all over Western Michigan then I mean I don't know man I it, it's just one of those things and I think it all comes down to for Central Michigan just go take care of business go win these last two games and hope hope somebody loses somewhere Right. You know, you're you're just hoping for for a Western loss at really at some point. Because I'm in all honesty, if 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 you end the, end the conference season at six and two, you would own the tiebreaker over Ball State, whether they beat Western or not. And then if Western loses one more game, then you're you're heading down to Ford Field. Yeah, and I think you nailed it. I think the message that Jim McElwain's going to be preaching. You know, they're, they're the only team in, in the FBS to go 10 straight weeks without a bye. And now now you get the advantage of having two games in four weeks, which can either be a blessing or a curse. You know, it gives you a chance to rest up. But at the same time, that offensive performance on Saturday, it looked like they finally had everything clicking, both offensively and then defensively as well. And, you know, maybe sometimes that rhythm kind of falls out when you've got a bye week. Um, but I think McElwain, the thing he's instituted the most – um, that we didn't necessarily see last year with the Bonamago era is the discipline. And I think he's going to have them discipline, telling them, hey, we can't control this anymore. Let's just go win and do our job. And if the guys down in Kalamazoo happen to drop one, then that plays in our favor. I honestly don't think McElwain's too worried about that right now. He's just focused on beating Ball State uh, next weekend. And if Western loses, then they lose. Exactly. It's all. It, uh, honestly, it kind of comes down to coach speak, too. Like, you know what? And you put it perfectly. You know what, coaches coaches don't care about other teams. They just care about their team and going to win. You know if, and that's that's seriously that that is all it comes down to for Central Michigan. If you win, you have it. Let's look at at it like this. If you lose, your 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 shot at the MAC championship is pretty much done. So if you just go down and win both, if you go and win both these games that you have left on your schedule, man. You're in good shape. Yeah. Another thing. Western, I think Western loses one of those games. If, if, if the Broncos somehow win out, which, you know, is entirely a possibility. That's why they play the game. Then more power to them. Tip of the cap. Good luck. Another thing that uh, I just noticed here, Western Michigan, they're 5-4 and four on the year. 5-0 and oh at home, 0-4 oh on the road. And that matchup is at Ohio Ohio plays Miami in the battle for first place in the MAC East on Wednesday, 
and it's at Ohio, and then they welcome in Western. And Western, obviously, like we said, hasn't won a road game yet this year. So I mentioned earlier that they're a veteran squad, but they're having the same type of road woes that Central Michigan is at this point in the year. And so that matchup with Ohio gets a heck of a lot more interesting when you see that Western Michigan hasn't won a football game on the road yet this year. Right, and looking at it too, that last game of the year, the Northern Illinois game, I mean, that that's that's another huge one too because it's on the road. And it's your last, really, it's your, I mean, it's the last game of the, your regular season. And what did you say? They're five and four. So they're, they're one win away from bowl eligibility. Right. So if they, if they lose one of those games or they, they lose all of those games, they're not making a bowl game. Obviously. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you, you obviously, if, if you're Western, you at least want to win one of those, but you need to win. I think you need to win out yeah. to get to the MAC championship. Yeah. Or else, your, or else your rival in Mount Pleasant, or maybe Muncie, Indiana, are going to be going to Detroit instead of you. Yeah, and I think that Central Michigan, regardless of how you slice this, I think where they're at right now in the year, six wins with two games left to play, is about as good as you could have envisioned it, given that the majority of this roster is in the same exact spot that they were last year when we were what one and nine with two games to go. You know, you had guys like Ja'Cory Sullivan and, you know, Julian Hicks, who was here at the time. Tony Poljan was going back and forth between quarterback and receiver. This team didn't have an identity 10 games into the year last year. And now you're sitting here with bowl eligibility. You're sitting here with a chance to win a MAC, a chance to win a MAC division title, maybe even a MAC championship. I think that regardless of whether or not Central Michigan goes to Detroit, I think this year can be viewed as as a success unless the wheels just absolutely fall off in the last two games. Yeah, I agree. I agree. As, as I see it, we're, we're gonna, I'm going to throw a little Austin anecdote here. So last year during... Don't do it. Oh, I'm going Don't to. do it to him. He's too young. So last year during the MAC tournament in Cleveland, we and Andy McDonald, Cody, our photographer Cody, and I drove down there, and we found this this bar downtown. And it had a bowling alley in it. And I got up there, and Andy, I was like, yeah, man, I'm not very good at the sport. And I looked over I hate Andy. when people bullshit like that. I know. I'm not good at it, and then you're really well, good. I, I, didn't, I hadn't bowled in years. I hadn't bowled in years. So I looked over at Andy, I'm like, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to do. I'm going to probably do poorly. And then I'll start to get a little bit better. And I roll up there, and I roll striking at least the first two, maybe even three frames. And he just looks at me, and he's like, you asshole. And I'm like, yeah, you're, you're right. I'm sorry. Anyway, the, the anecdote here is I didn't expect to be bowling so well and expect to be bowling, uh-huh. and now Central Michigan's bowling. So that, there's that, that uh, really strange tie-in, and Evan look, is looking at me like he hates me. Huh? You're looking at me like you hate me right now. Wait, what did you say? What, 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 are you, what are you talking about? You're looking at me like you hate me right now. So Central Michigan basketball coming up this year, this oh week. My God. You know, some big games on tap for the Chippewas. You got to start out strong, right, Austin? That's right. You got to start with at least two or three strikes in the Lord first two, three me. frames. Take this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, talking about the men, they bring in what Umich Dearborn. Uh, this is dropping on Tuesday, right? So it'll be tonight. Um, but we're recording on Monday, so it's technically tomorrow night. Uh, what, Austin? What are you looking to see? From the men's team, 
you know, you've got some returners like David DeLeo and Rob Montgomery, but you've also got a bunch of newcomers. So what are you what are you looking to see tomorrow? Well, I'm just expecting, you know, to see how, how these newcomers do. I mean, Keno Davis is kind of known for bringing in transfers, and that's exactly what he's done with with uh, Trey Broadway and uh, Devontae Lane, uh, at least for in the starting lineup. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to see how those guys do. Um, you know, to... The returns of, of DeLeo, Kevin McKay, and Montgomery, um, I think are big for CMU. And I'm, I'm really excited to see, um, you know, how, how those three kind of inter- like interact and kind of bring in the new guys. Uh, P.J. Mitchell's another guy. He's going to come in off the bench quite a bit. Um, I'm excited to see how he does, um, you know, kind of replacing, reloading, whatever language you want to use there uh, with, the departures of Larry Austin and Sean Roundtree. I'm just I'm just uh, anxious to see how that backcourt's going to do. It's kind of like, you know, back when I was in third grade, actually, um, moved to a new school, and I walked in on the very first day, didn't know anybody. I had some pretty crummy hair. Um, I, I do take a lot of pride in my hair now, but my hair was pretty bad, kind of <laughs> like a bowl cut. Um, some super small glasses, didn't look good. You know how like the the bigger size glasses are kind of in fashion now, yeah. like having a little bit bigger size. Yeah, they were like super tiny. Um, I can pull up an old picture for you, Austin, later and show you. Um, <laughs> right. But anyway, walking on the first day, didn't know anybody, and went in there and left the left and didn't know anybody. Like I still, you know, first day of school, didn't really make any friends. I was kind of weird about it all. You know, was. Didn't want to like overstep my bounds with all these new kids in the class, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's exactly what Trayvon Broadway and Devontae Lane cannot do. They, there's no time to go in on the first day of school when you're talking about a game atmosphere and and not play like you've been there. They have to play like they have been there, like they have done this before, like playing for Central Michigan is is nothing new, right? I mean, you have to fill that gap, and you got to fill it quick. And I think you can't show signs of uncertainty because that's just a bad look, really, for the rest of the season, right? I mean, if you come in there and you're not certain and you're, you don't look like you're really in tune, I get it takes time to learn how to play with one another and stuff like that. But to come in there and just show no, just show nothing on, on game one, I think that'd be a big problem for them. I think they should go out there and they should really look to, look to shoot the ball, you know, look to make some impact plays. Um, don't worry too much about standing, staying in the background, right? Like try to set yourself apart and, right. and try to – make a name for yourself immediately right try to try to emerge as you know a, I guess a front runner a newcomer a, a dog a star whatever you want to call them your right? analogy wasn't that bad earlier dude I was just messing with you oh, I know way. I know that's why I had to give myself that's why I had to give an analogy of my own I appreciate it you know I I thought about that a little anecdote I, anecdotal analogy I, I appreciated that and you're absolutely right they they can't just hide in the shadows because I mean there's there is nowhere to hide if you're on the starting in the starting lineup mm-hmm. I mean you you to start in this program, you you have to play well. You you have to emerge and kind of bring yourself out to be a star. And mm-hmm. it, and you're right, it, it, it's going to take time. Because, I mean, these guys have been practicing for, well, we don't know exactly how long. Probably, well, since the beginning of October. Uh, something like that, yeah. About yeah a, I don't remember so, when the start date was, but right. yeah, it was, I so, think it's October. Yeah, so these guys have been practicing for about a month. Maybe early, no, maybe early October, or maybe it was like late September. I think it was, I think it was really early October, maybe like the second or the yeah. third. So uh, anyway, these guys have been practicing for a month-ish. We'll call it a month-ish. So you would hope that some kind of chemistry is starting to build a little bit. 
Well, I got to ask Christian too about Deshaun Winston, a guy from City College of San Francisco. He is, his name is not Devontae Lane, and his name is not Trayvon Broadway Jr. But he's a guy that's a junior guard, and he's supposed to get time. And he, you know, he was he spent his freshman season at Cal, and not not that Cal was a, a good team when he was there, but still, I mean, he he was playing Division One basketball in the Pac-12, um, which I mean, that, I mean, that kind of says something on its own. And then he ended up going to to City College of San Fran for a year. He's got the year of Division One experience, which is you know kind of giving that leg up on the other transfers. Christian, who is Deshaun Winston? What could he do this year? What did he do at, at Cal um, in his 25 games there in the 2017-18 season? What's what, what's there to know about this guy? You know, he didn't get a ton of minutes while he was at Cal. Uh, he transferred out at the end of the year, but it's impressive because most of the guys that that Keno Davis brings in, they spend. Uh, their their first two years they come in as juniors and they spend their first two years at one or maybe even in the case of Trayvon Broadway two community college two community college teams before they come here but with Winston he has a year of power five division one basketball experience you know Cal like you said they weren't great but he was there he was playing with guys like you know Ivan Rab who was you know who's played some time in the NBA um you know he's been around some good basketball players and I think he's going to bring that to the table I had the chance to interview Deshaun at media day when they had their Maroon and Gold scrimmage, and I asked him, I asked every player, every newcomer, you know, what was, could you, could you summarize the way you play the game for me? And he used, he only used one word, and that was exciting. And I think that's something that Central Michigan fans had to look forward to, is his exciting style of play. And that's just one, one more tick on the, uh, on the board, so to speak, for Deshaun. He's, he's not going to start necessarily. Guys like Broadway and Lane are going to be out there, but he'll definitely he'll be one of the first two or three guys off the bench. He can shoot it from outside. He can run, and he can even get in there and rebound with his size. You know, he's a bigger guard, and I think that's going to pay dividends for the Chippewas as they look to get a little bit of a deeper bench. Yeah, and looking looking at it, um, watching that maroon and gold scrimmage, he was able to 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 get in, kind of dr- drive to the ten, and what, that's exactly what you want if you're a guard, uh, especially in Keno Davis's system. I mean. That's what Kevin McKay can do real well. That's what Larry Austin could do real well. Sean Roundtree could do it. He could shoot outside. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think I think uh, Deshaun's going to be a valuable asset, like you said, coming off the bench. Again, with guys like like PJ Mitchell coming in off the bench too. Dallas Morgan, you can't forget about him. He's going to be he's going to be a huge dude. You know, Austin, I'm going to pose a question to you. Go ahead. As a reporter. What newcomer, and you can include P.J. Mitchell, who's a guy who didn't get a whole lot of time, what newcomer are you most excited to see hit the floor tomorrow night against you, Mitch Dearborn? I think it is P.J. Mitchell. I don't, I, you know, I, I, I think he's going to be one of the, a strong, like I said, strong, valuable asset to the team, to that rotation, and I think he's, I think he's going to do, do great things, um, you know, obviously, you know, obviously, you know, like we said, Broadway and, and Lane, those are those are going to be the starters. Those are going to be two guys to to keep an eye out for. But I think PJ Mitchell is the guy I'm most excited to see tomorrow night. Yeah, I think. I mean, yeah, he's important, and I I think he's someone that I'm definitely excited to see. But um, it, for me, it's got to be Devonte Lane, six two, two hundred fifteen pounds. Like, what is this guy going to do as a, a stockier, more muscular guard that can work inside and out? We saw him drive to the basket. Um, and, and attack the rim with some authority. I like that aspect of him. I think it's something that he could do really well. And I don't think you can sleep on his ability to do that, right? 
So when it comes down to it, yeah, I want to see what Lane can do. What can he do getting into the paint? But what can he do shooting the ball as well? I don't think we saw as much of that. We saw a couple, you know, elbow jumpers uh, of certain types. But can he attack? Can he go hard all the way? And then what does his outside game look like as a three-pointer, uh, as a three-point shot? And, and also, how does he facilitate? Is he a facilitator? At the at the Division One level, or is he somebody that's going to be looking to, to score a little bit more, or is that going to be Broadway's role? I mean, I guess we'll we'll see what what we can do there. Um, I know you know from a defensive standpoint, Broadway is supposed to be really good in that regard, and, and we'll see if that's the case. But you guys looking at the the men's basketball season, obviously with Michigan Dearborn and Mississippi Valley State, Sam Houston State, and, and Siena Heights as the first four games of the season. Where are they going to be after these four games? I mean, do you think they they choke up against one of these squads? All home games, first four of the season. I've got them beating Michigan Dearborn. I've got them beating Mississippi Valley State, and I got them beating Siena Heights. The only one that gives me some concern is Sam Houston State, but we're going to see on that one. Still, I think they open the season four and zero, and then they have a tough game against Minnesota, and we're going to see how that one goes. But that's not not, not that's not until November twenty first. But but what do you think, Austin? Yeah, I I agree. Um, this is one of the few times that I'm actually going to agree with you. Um, you always agree with me. No, I don't. No, we don't. We don't always agree. I think they. I think. I think that Minnesota game w- might get a little bit ugly. I think it's going to be. I think it'll get really ugly, but yeah, really, really ugly. Double digits, no doubt. Yeah. Um, Team's that, too young. Team's too yeah. young. And that that game, uh, that no, wow, December twenty eighth at Purdue. That one. That one's already giving me some headaches just looking at it. Cause I mean that's. That caps off a stretch of four straight road games against Valpo, Texas, Robert Morris, and Purdue, all teams that have made the NCAA tournament before, you know, in recent years. So and, and Purdue is ranked right now, and I'm sure I'm sure the Boilermakers will still be ranked come December twenty eighth. So I see that one getting pretty ugly too. So I d I don't know. It's just that that's one game that I'm looking at that, like I said, is already giving me some headaches. Austin, I'll let you and and Christian and, and me as well make some predictions for women's basketball. But what about men's basketball? What do we predict they're going to do this season? Um, how far do they make it um, in the in the Mid American Conference tournament? And and where do they where do they end up? Well, I think they struggled throughout the non conference. Um, it kind of opposite of last year because they they got through the MAC pretty well. Uh, I think in the regular season, obviously dropped a couple of games here and there, but um, you know this. I think this is still a twenty-win team. I think, um, and I, th- I think they get to the to the semis in the MAC tournament, but but lose pretty ugly. To I'm not sure who it would be, but um, I think they do get to the semis, but but fall at that point and might make maybe the college basketball invitational tournament like they did last year um maybe maybe get a win there i maybe but but yeah i i think it's going to be the opposite of last year i think so that's kind of my prediction yeah i think they're gonna they're a team that's going to do really well in conference this year i think they're going to give a lot of people a run in the regular season um, but i do see them choking in the mid-american conference tournament and i i definitely I mean, I see a quarterfinal loss. I don't think they're going to be a team that's going to be ready for that type of a game. I think when you look at their leadership um, abilities, you have guys like David DeLeo and Kevin McKay, and sure, they're leaders, but they're nothing like what Sean Roundtree and Larry Austin Jr. were. So until I think I see more of that, um, I, I just don't know if they're going to be able to to win at a place like 
Quicken Loans Arena in Cleveland where the pressure is on, where it's, you know, do or die. And in the regular season, you don't have a lot of do or die situations because a lot of it's okay. You play the next game. And then when you're down at the end of the season, or the regular season against Western Michigan, um, you know, you no matter what happens in that game, you're probably gonna be playing in the you're gonna be playing in the tournament. So in that situation, I think in the in the do or die situation, I think they choke in the quarterfinals and and give one away. But I think a really good regular season, a team that's gonna show a lot of promise for the future, especially with two junior guards. But let's swing it over to women's basketball because they're the team that um, has been more successful, way more successful as of late. New coach and Heather Osterley taking over for Sue Guevara. We've talked about that. We've heard a lot about that. Um, let's touch on on them this season and what they're going to be able to do. Christian, season opener is Wednesday, November 6th against Green Bay at 7 p.m. That's here in Mount Pleasant. What are your thoughts on on the Chippewas this year? Who are some of the newcomers? What's what's there to know? Kind of uh, kind of lay down the deets if you uh, if you don't mind. Yeah, you know, it obviously starts up top. You can't talk about any new, all the, any newcomers without talking about the head coach, Heather Osterley. But she's a she's a newcomer in position alone. She spent this will be her tenth year with Central Michigan women's basketball. The last nine, she was an associate head coach. She's now the head coach, like you mentioned, Evan. Um, and she's she's gonna take what Guevara built, Coach Sue Guevara, what she built, and she's gonna run with it. You know, there will be some changes. She mentioned. They want to they kind of ratchet up the offense another tier while also still focusing on defense. And I think that's something that is intriguing. You know, in the past, Central Michigan's only – the rotation was only six or seven girls deep last, last season. And I think that's something where if you're going to want to play games in the 80s and push the tempo like that, you're going to need at least eight, at least eight bodies out there that can give you minutes simply because, you know, a 40-minute college basketball game, it's, it gets tiring. You know, you're out there – cooking along, you know, fast breaks, transitions. It can be difficult to keep up stamina-wise. And um, But moving forward into your newcomers, you know, you mentioned – I don't know if you mentioned this or not, but Presley Hudson's gone. She leaves as the top scorer in Central Michigan basketball history, not only in women's but also in men's. She's the overall leader in scoring. She's going to be missed, and so is Raina Frost, who leaves as the program leader in rebounds. And they've got two two girls specifically and maybe even – the third, they've got three freshmen coming in, Molly Davis, Kate MacArthur, and Shine Strickland-Gills, who are expected to all have at least somewhat of an impact role from day one. Molly Davis, Heather Osterley talked about it. She's going to start Wednesday night. She's going to be out there with Twin Kelly and Maddie Waters in the backcourt. The, the word on this girl is she can shoot the lights out. You know, and speaking of shooting the lights out, so can Kate MacArthur. You know, the other freshman guard that's coming in here from Macomb, um, she, I mean, things can be really, really exciting for Central Michigan if these two girls get it going from day one. Do I expect that? Not necessarily, simply because both these girls, they did play D1 high school ball, but D1 high school ball is nothing like D1 college ball. And so there's going to be, I'm, I, I personally am giving them a grace period. You know, maybe the non-conference, they start to work kinks out shooting the ball, it's a bit of an adjustment. Things can be a little bit more rushed. And the same goes for Strickland Gills, who lost only seven games in high school in four years, won a couple state titles. She, The difference between MacArthur and Davis and then with Strickland Gills is Strickland Gills has a couple of girls ahead of her on the depth chart with Jahari Smith, Kira Bustle, Gabby Bird. All three of those girls are probably going to get minutes before Strickland Gills does, and so she's going to have a little bit more time to develop from the sidelines a little bit, come in and give the team defense and rebounding for five or six minutes a night. 
at least off the bat, and then slowly develop more playing time as the season goes on. But with MacArthur and, and Davis especially, they're going to have to come in and score the basketball. Davis is going to be in the starting lineup. MacArthur's going to probably get some significant time off the bench. And they're going to be asked to fill the void. I don't think one person in Austin, you can, if you disagree with me, you can let me know. But I don't think one person's going to fill the Presley Hudson role, at least not this year. I think it's going to be kind of a like a Moneyball aspect. Billy Bean, you know, Brad Pitt, that movie, phenomenal movie, by the way. They, they, they didn't replace Jer- Jason Giambi with one guy. They, they developed him through the aggregate, as uh, Brad Pitt said. And, you know, I think that's exactly what's going to happen today between Twin Kelly and, and Matty Waters and Davis and even Sophie Karasinski, who missed last year. Word is she can shoot it too. Austin, what do you, what do you know about this squad? What are you thinking? Well, I'm, I'm thinking you're totally right. You're not going to replace somebody like Presley Hudson nor Raina Frost. The, and she's also the career, the career rebound leader in the Mid-American Conference. Um, you're not going to replace those two with just one person, at least right now. Um, you know, the the year after, you, that's no. You're 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 absolutely right. You you are not going to be able to replace them right away. Um, you know, Molly Davis. She she averages double dig. Well, she averaged double digits at, at Midland Dow High School, um, and she was a two-time Saginaw Valley League Player of the Year. Um, so she she's going to be. She's going to be integral, I think, um, like you were talking about. She's going to be big for CMU to come in, and, and she can shoot the lights out, and she's got to be able to pretty much right away. I mean, yeah, you're like you said, give them a grace period or however you want to go about it, but you, uh, it's definitely going to be a challenging challenging season, I think. But um, the cool thing, I think, with, with Heather Osterley coming in, or I guess coming in, sticking around as head coach, um, is that she already knows all the players and she Absolutely. knows all the recruits. It's not like there's a getting to know you, getting to know you phase right away. She already knows everybody. She knows how the program works. She knows, you know, she knows her way around McGurk Arena. She knows, you know, going around the MAC. She she gets it, and she knows. She obviously has taken a lot from from Sue and learned, and is applying it to her system. But it's her system. She can make it whatever she wants. So I think that I think that's really cool um, for her and um, yeah, like I say, I, I think it'll be I think it'll be a pretty good year for CMU. Maybe not like years that that they've had in recent years, but I think I think the Chippewas will still be strong this year. Um, you know, like you said, Twin Kelly, Maddie Waters coming in. They're 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 gonna they're gonna be. I mean, they're they're gonna be big. Yeah, and I think that this non-conference schedule, I'm looking at it right now, and things could kind of get ugly early on. You know, you go to Louisville in your second game, and when you're starting a true freshman, her second game of her college career is going to be at Louisville against a really good team, you know, out of the ACC. And I think things could kind of – I don't think things will snowball, but, you know, you got road trips to, to Louisville at Western Kentucky, at South Dakota State, at UCF, and that's all in the non-conference, and I think – you're going to find out a lot about maybe not necessarily how good this team, but what kind of fight they have, you know, maybe against teams that may overmatch them a little bit. But I know one thing, and that's that Heather Osterley is not going to have this team feeling overmatched in any way, shape, or form. I was talking to Shine Strickland-Gills today, and she, I asked her her first impressions for Coach Osterley, and Coach Osterley recruited her. So there was no sense of unfamiliar, unfamiliarity there. And same with Molly Davis and Kate MacArthur, to a sense, although MacArthur decommitted from Clemson, 
And so, you know, speculation is that Guevara had a huge role in that. But even so, this is an assistant coach that everybody's familiar with, and I think that was huge for when Guevara stepped down was that she almost immediately appointed uh, Heather Osterley. And that sense of familiarity is going to be huge, I think, in keeping this team together when they may struggle in the early part of this season, knowing that Coach O has their back. Um, but when it comes to conference expectations, I, I personally expect this squad to be right back up at the top. You know, you lose Presley Hudson and you lose Raina Frost and even Jada Robinson, who maybe didn't play as much, but, you know, from asking around, this girl had a significant effect on her teammates in that real smart player who made the starters work hard every single day, day in and day out, and that's a present that's going to be missed. Um, but even so, you know, those losses, I personally think that this squad is going to be up in the top two, if not the top of the MAC West, and then they're going to be playing in at least the MAC. I believe personally they'll be in the MAC tournament finals in Cleveland. I agree, and I, I think uh, preseason voters agree with you too because they were picked to go on and, and win the conference. And Michaela Kelly is about first team All MAC. Is that right? Yeah, yeah I saw yeah. I saw that right. Yep. So yeah, no, they, you know, like I say, everyone agrees with you. Um, so it'll be it'll be real interesting to see what happens this year and how everything goes along and um, what happens in in Heather Osterley's first season. So yeah, good insight from both of you guys on the the women's basketball 2019-20 season. Again, it tips off Wednesday, 7 p.m. at McGurk Arena against Green Bay. We'll be there to cover it for you guys. Again, per usual, with football heating up and being bowl eligible, and then men's and women's basketball getting underway. Go to cm-life.com, check out our work, you know, go on Twitter and go to CM Life Sports for all our coverage. And you can also go over to the normal at CM Life to see news, sports, all different types of things that we do over there, videos, all different types of content. Again, just plug in CM Life a little bit. But thank you guys for coming on. Again, also I know we're on here, you know, as uh, as the usuals, but Christian, any uh any parting words, man? Nope, I think we pretty much touched on everything. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for joining. Austin, thanks for being here with me, man. Again, another episode of Maroon and Bold. Thank you guys for joining in. I really appreciate it, and we'll catch you guys next week.